dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Living a life according to virtue is difficult for anybody, but those in roles of leadership are under particular scrutiny by those whom they serve. Every day, their every decision has impact on the lives of those who are underneath them. For this reason, leaders have a special need of the virtue of justice. By justice, each person is given what is their due. But justice presents special challenges, both in its acquisition and in its practice. Thank goodness for God's grace. So we're at the St. John Leadership Network today looking at the special virtue of justice and looking in particular at St. Thomas Aquinas and how he treats this virtue in our roles as leaders. And I want to focus in on the special context today of business leadership, but I know that you can apply this in the family, you can apply this in your political situations, you can apply this everywhere, right? And you need to do that, but I want to focus in for the business leaders who are here present because, well, frankly, most of the time, people don't really want to talk about it too much. And yet it's essential because it's where we rise or fall as leaders. Now, I know that all of the four cardinal virtues are essential for our success, right? Prudence is that ability to practically know how to advance given the circumstances that you have towards the success of the resources that you've been given, right? So you start with a given set of circumstances and you move through the changing fields of of vicissitudes, right? That are out there and then you arrive at the successful completion. It's the quality of a leader that we all need. We get that, right? We also know the need of temperance in order to do that because as we're going through all of the challenges in leadership, we need to restrain ourselves from going after what is too easy and pleasant uh, to a degree that's too much. Meaning we can enjoy various things, but they can also distract us from our focus. And we also need fortitude. We talked about that in the last class. And fortitude is the virtue whereby I'm able to endure patiently all of the difficulties that can come my way as I try to achieve the goal, right? So you have a prudent person who is both temperate and strong. And you say, well, God, what could go wrong? Well, this is exactly it. The one thing that's missing on this whole scenario that we just described is a leader's relationship with those who are following him or her. And that, my friends, is where the virtue of justice comes to play. And it's no coincidence, of course, that this relationship with those who are with us, our colleagues, our team members, those whom we serve as the leader of an organization, that that they are also our number one challenge. Uh, Anyone who starts a business knows you start your business, for example, as an entrepreneur doing something that you're good at, doing something that you enjoy, and then you decide to employ people. (laughs) and everything changes, right? Because now all of a sudden, you're not just doing the job, you're actually running a business that does the job. And that's a whole different skill set. 
And that's why a lot of people just prefer to say, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to keep doing it by myself because I prefer to do things and do them well rather than scale it and work on all kinds of management organizational practices, which are not my skill set. And I think that that's a, that's a fair and honest choice that many people choose to make. Uh, and, and other people will say, nope, I'm going to go for the gold. And when you go for the gold and you say, I'm going to create something that will endure after me, I'm going to create something that will allow other people to shine in their different you know, sets of values. And I'm going to ultimately perhaps create something that will generate even more profit than I ever could by myself. <laughs> you find yourself now with a whole mess of new problems that are far beyond the problems of production and sales, which is where most entrepreneurs begin. I produce something, a goods or service, and then I sell it. And now I find myself instead dealing with emotions, dealing with personality conflicts, dealing with team constitutions, team dynamics, and the whole field of the human person. Now, I want to give you some encouragement here. If you have taken that pathway forward, which most of you in the room are, or you're involved in managing a team of people or running an organization, let me give you some encouragement right off the bat. And that encouragement is that your Christian faith is all about this. You should be different as a boss who has a Christian faith compared to a boss who doesn't, in particular, in the wisdom that you have in approaching the situations of the workers who work for you. And this is a, a wisdom that's given through God's holy word and in the Catholic Church is endorsed by the strength of the sacraments uh, and God's holy grace that's given to us, but that also, and this is important, has trickled down through 2,000 years of the church working with the human person. Pope John Paul II used to say that the church is an expert in humanity. Well, if it's an expert in humanity, then if we, well, we need to listen to that because most of the employers that I know, their number one struggle is the employee. It's not so much the working conditions, the inflationary environment, anything that's going on in the politics or, or the economy or anything. The number one struggle that they face is how do I motivate my people? How do I keep my people motivated? How do I connect with them so that they'll go forward with me? Well, there, if, we're, if we have the opportunity, we can look through the church's history to learn how to do just that from the knowledge that the church gives us of the sources of human motivation, of the obstacles to human activity that arise from the passions and lack of virtues, and so forth. Well, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to look, for example, at St. Thomas Aquinas today with you. He was a friar of the Dominican order in the 13th century, that's the 1200s, who wrote some amazing works that still are with us today and that give us, just uh, in a real consolidated, concise fashion, all of that wisdom uh, written down in, in very great clarity. And that's why I want to study him with you. And I want to look today especially at his article concerning justice and how he defines it and how he sees it. Because if the, the relationship between an employer and his people is basically one of justice. Justice is the virtue that will allow that relationship to be clean, strong, healthy, and wonderful. And the lack of justice is what's going to corrode that bond of trust. Remember that when Gallup took a poll on what makes for a great leader, they found four qualities, 
And only two of the four qualities that people listed as essential for great leadership come and depend on the employer himself or herself. Only two of them. So when you look at great leaders, you're like, well, I have to develop all of this prowess in me, a great vision, for example. That's the number one quality that Galb listed. And I have to drive and never give up and never quit and keep on going forward. Okay, that's the fourth quality that Gallup mentioned. But two other of those qualities actually depend on their ability to relate well with the people who are following them. And I underscore this with you all because so much leadership development today emphasizes the, the leader as a person in their vision and in their passion and de-emphasizes or completely overlooks the importance of the quality of trust and trustingness. So a leader has to be trusted by his people and a leader has to trust his people. That ability to relate with them well, gaining trust is one half of all of the qualities that the Gallup discovered as essential for leadership. One half. And it doesn't, it's not surprising, right? It kind of makes sense. If I'm a leader, I'm charging forward, but I'm charging forward with people. So I both have to have that ability to drive and I have to have the ability to relate. And the virtue of prudence is your ability to drive. The virtue of justice is your ability to relate. We have every interest, therefore, to pay attention to St. Thomas Aquinas and every interest to let the Bible teach us and form us to be just people. Because when we are, we'll be better employers, better business leaders, better leaders, period. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. So all of us every day have to go into work we know and we have to confront a whole variety of situations. We're trying desperately to move the ball down the field, right? So if you're an, an, an entrepreneur, that, that mountain is a very high one. If you're managing in a corporation, the stress levels are immense. And every day we have to go in and effectuate a change. I remember I used to be a roofer, as we say in Northwest Ohio, where I'm from, a roofer, which means a roofer everywhere else. <laughs> and, uh, on the, and I used to take such pride in the fact that we would rip off a section of the roof and we knew that by the end of the day, we had to recover that section of roof. This is why weather was so important, right? You're always looking at the rain to determine how much of the roof you could actually replace in the course of a day. And it was so wonderful to have that type of manual labor where you could stand at the end of the day and turn around and see, I just laid this roof and it'll stay there for 30 years, you know? And I just changed the world and made it clean and wonderful and shiny and just terrific, right? And that, that satisfaction is what each one of us has every day when we're faced with situations and we modulate them for the better, regardless of what it is, be it a restaurant, be it physical therapists, be it whatever you are, wherever you're working, you're taking something in state A and you're moving it to state B. The problem is, that's not everything in work. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we know that that's kind of the easy part in the end. That there's a whole nother world though that makes it difficult and it's called having a boss. Having the boss who has expectations. Having a board 
and the board that has oversight over you. Having people underneath you who don't like you or who think that you're unfair or having people uh, underneath you who are, uh, you know, uh, currying your favor and you know it. And you, and you find yourself as, as an employer or as a business leader in a context where suddenly everything around you has as much to do with what you're doing as the task in front of you. And that context can be very disconcerting. For many people, it can throw them into behaviors where they in the end become selfish or self-seeking or driven or where the, the people that work with them become means to the end instead of the reason why they're working to begin with. Especially if that, that what we're driving towards, we drive towards a lot of passion. If you're a, a charismatic and driven leader, which is what most of you are, otherwise you wouldn't be here at the St. John Leadership Network, right? You wouldn't be here at all. You wouldn't be the successes that you were if you weren't capable of facing the difficulties and moving forward with them, right? I'm just saying that we have to be careful because that's only half of our job. Uh, and I would say it's not even half. It's almost the, the context of the job. But to actually effectuate that in an organization, I need a whole other set of skills, people skills, the ability to build and, and furnish trust amongst my team, to build trust by getting them to trust me and to furnish trust by actually empowering them. And if I can do that effectively, as you all know, my team takes shape around me and the work is done exponentially well. We have uh, the, everyone on the team now is functioning and functioning not only independently, but as a unit creating synergy and the work is just flying out. And then of course, with the work comes the profit. And that is the goal. But how do I in fact do that? And, and if, I'm, if I look at myself well, I recognize that the real problem isn't the others. The real problem is me, right? Because inside of each one of us, we have a proclivity to selfishness. You could say it's a proclivity to sin as well, because it is uh, a, a desire, for example, that's disordinate with respect to greed, um, a desire that's disordinate with respect to your reputation and being honored in the eyes of others. A desire that's disordinate with respect to how you are valued or seen as a leader by the people that follow you. And all of those different forms of selfishness that are inside of us as a result of sin, they get in the way and can produce behaviors that degenerate the trust that we so need and desire. Like actually, we can get in our own way. Why? Because, well, we speak with sarcasm. We are judgmental with respect to other employees. We talk behind their back, right? And we stab them in the back in the presence of another employee to make ourselves look good or to make them look good, whatever it might be, right? And we sacrifice people. We, we overwork people. We say that they're getting a fair wage, but in fact, have, you know, are they, right? If you were in their job, would you stay there? Right? And you'd be like, no way, I'd be out of there. Well, then why would they stay, right? We can treat them curtly. We don't greet them. We don't treat them with care. When we know that they have needs, we kind of ignore it. Um, each person isn't always valued for what they do. Sometimes we just thank the people at the top and we don't really recognize the people that are underneath them. And there's all kinds of ways where people who work with us can hold and have axes to grind against us. And I'm going to say, if you really look at it honestly, most of those things come from ourselves. 
there yes there can be situations where it's the, it's in fact the people that are around you that just are no good but most of the time it's going to come from you and in any case i can't control what the people around me are going to do but if i'm christ's leader in the workplace i owe my workers justice i owe them an environment where they are given what is their due right that's and that's how saint thomas aquinas defines justice He's going to say, uh, he's going to say in Article 1 here of Question 58 of the Summa, the second part of the second part of the Summa, which is, I know, very confusing. <laughs> but he says basically this, justice is rendering to each one his due. Right? So that, another one, Isidore, for example, quotes that a man is said to be just because he respects the right of others, the due of others, what belongs to the other. That's a wonderful definition because it opens it up for us in a way that's very practical. So if, I, if I'm the leader of an organization and I'm called to be just, it means that everyone in the organization is supposed to get what is due to them. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone gets the exact same thing, but it does mean that everyone gets what is their due. So you say, well, what is that? Well, how does that look? Well, Aquinas later on breaks it down into two different actions. And we're going to take a look at each one of these actions, right? Because they, that's the field that I have to focus in on. And he says the first action of a leader is called commutative justice, right? Commutative justice means in a sense that everyone in the organization has what they need as a member of that organization. So it's the rules that by which you govern an institution. So obviously from policies, procedures, HR laws, HR practices, things to make sure that hey, if you're here, you're given a set of rights that we maintain. And if people are violating those rights, you can file a grievance and we can in fact enforce that grievance so that you get justice. You have what is necessary for you to do your job as a member of this organization. And the second role he says is distributive justice. So it's not just maintaining the harmony, so to speak, of the organization, but it's then to make sure that each person has a relationship with the organization that is proper, meaning that the, they both receive from the organization what is their due and that they give to the organization what is their due and nothing more. So this is kind of the proper balance between the sacrifice and the toil and the difficulty of the labor that they're performing and the reward that they're given and as also the respect that they're given. And I think that that word, one word respect really encapsulates what Aquinas is trying to get through to us about what it means to be just. If you want to be just, ask yourself this question. Am I showing each person in the workplace the proper respect? And do they know it? It's a great thing. It's one thing to say yes. Because I think of all, if I was to ask all of you, every single one person here, you'd all say, yes, absolutely, my people. I, I respect them. And what you're really saying is, Father Nathan, I want to respect them. And I don't dispute you. I don't think you'd be here, you know, studying this stuff if you weren't a good person trying to be respectful, right? But you, there is something I could invite you to do. And that's just to do a quick little survey. Call four of your people up and ask them, do you feel respected by me all of the time? Do you feel respected? And do you feel like everything that you, that you are valued and that you are respected by me? It'd be amazing. So not am I trying to respect them, but am I achieving that respect 
by showing it effectively. And there you start by asking them first, okay? So we're gonna take a look then, those two fields, two applications of justice in Aquinas, commutative and distributive, and how both of them sanctify us by the grace of Christ. Would you like your business to become a virtuous workplace? Would you like Father Nathan to come to an event in your town? Visit www.stgiantleadershipnetwork.org slash r-events and join for free today. So every one of us knows that when we take charge of a, of a company or of a, whenever we take charge of anything, we're invested with authority. And sometimes that comes with a, a trumpet blast, right? And some incense that's offered up in front of us as people clap their hands. You know, I'm thinking of a fire chief that gets pinned as the fire chief by his wife, you know, in front of all kinds of onlookers who clap their hands and say, isn't he marvelous? But he's marvelous. And, or, and at the same time, the reason he's marvelous is because, well, now he has power. He can do things and is vested with power by the organization that has entrusted that power to him. And so with power comes responsibility. And with responsibility comes stress. And with stress comes breaking points in that same individual. <laughs> the more stressful a situation, the greater our tendency towards injustice towards other people is going to become. We will become short, um, not appreciative, uh, rude, etc. When we, because we feel the full weight of all of that responsibility on us. In other words, it's one thing to act like a saint when you're you know, living in a, a situation with no pressure. And it's a real test of whether or not you are a saint when that pressure is put on your shoulders. And you are in leadership roles, all know that because you're in pressure every single day, which is why we're here to say Christ is there to make you a saint. Right? And your, your first role with the power that's given to you is to defend, okay? That's the first role of justice, to defend the rights of everyone in the organization. How is it that I can make sure that everybody has everything that they need, that they're not being disrespected, they're not being challenged, they're not being harassed, right, in the workplace, that they have the tools that they need in order to perform, that the fair evaluations. Your first obligation as a leader in a business, in other words, it, or any organization, is towards the structure of that organization to make sure that structure is sound, universally applicable, and in fact, respectful uh, in, in what it does for its people. And if you're a Christian leader, which all of you are, you can add to it all kinds of wonderful things that encompass other aspects of life. Like, do my employees have psychological care? Do they have a spiritual option? Uh, that's proposed to them so that they can go to church if, in fact, they want to? Do they know that their, that their, their maternity leave or paternity leave is something that's important to the organization? Is family life respected? And so forth, okay? The second thing that I do with my power, though, is this distributive justice, and that's done both by making sure that the company pays our, its people correctly a fair wage. I remind everyone that in the Bible, it lists off sins that cry to heaven for vengeance. And one of the sins that it lists off is whether or not an employer pays their employee a fair wage. Now, all of you out there are saying, yes, I know. In fact, I do. I, I'm just reminding you so that because that's distributive justice, I have to give them their wage. I also have to make sure that we're not overusing them and that every employee feels respected by knowing the value of their work, by being rewarded appropriately, 
and by being empowered to grow. Right? This is especially where the, the Catholic Church's ethos of business leadership shows a beautiful face and wonderful power. I am not in my position, in other words, in order to dominate you. I'm in my position to grow you. Right? I am there to help you to leave every day with your head held high. And that's so important. Because every single one of the people that work underneath me go home and they relate to their children and their families in the same way that I related to them. If I value them and they feel that value in the workplace, well, then they're going to go home and they're going to value and, and show esteem for everyone around them. I'm responsible, in other words, to build up a, a place of psychological well-being and health in the workspace environment so that we cleanse our society of all that negativity that comes from people who feel defeated or feel worthless or feel not respected. This is why Christ has you in charge of your organizations and wherever you are, whatever level you are, so that everyone underneath you is given by Christ and through your justice, a sense of dignity. I might not be able to show love for people, uh, in any kind of like emotional way, but I do show love and charity by providing a space of true justice for everyone who collaborates with me and everyone who works for me. That's an incredible obligation. And it's one that Jesus comes to meet us with. Because guess what? In order for you to become just, you need to become truly loving. Loving in the sense of really respecting the people that you are there to serve. And that adjustment from a self-seeking attitude to a servant attitude is one wherein I adopt an attitude of justice. The other person comes first. What do they need? What do they need to perform? What do they need to be rewarded for? What do they need to feel from this environment so that they can be at their best level? I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thought that every day I've been given this challenge by Christ to overcome myself. I might feel anger. I might feel impatience. I might feel judgmental. I might feel stressed in many ways in my life. And yet I mustn't allow that to interfere with the way that I relate with my people because I, the people underneath me are counting on me to build them up by them working for me. And that's a terrific vocation and one that allows that correction of justice in me to not only make their life better, but to also operate more and more every day dependent on Jesus. And anyway, isn't that the point after all? Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.